Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet lovers everywhere, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. As many of you know, we regularly talk about pet-related books on the show with our book reviewer, Marianne Dell. But sometimes it's fun to get an author on the show to explain firsthand where his ideas came from. Today, Michael Morse, the author of Mr. Wilson Makes It Home, will be sharing a little bit about his journey in writing this book. Then, after our halftime break... Carolyn Marino Mullen of the brand new National Museum of Animals and Society will introduce us to this fabulous institution. So stay right where you are and we'll get started after a very quick station break here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining us first this morning is Michael Morse, the author of Mr. Wilson Makes It Home. Good morning, Michael, and welcome. Good morning, Marie. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really thrilled that you're on the show today. We do a lot of book reviews about pet-related books, and it's always really fun to have the actual author on the show to talk about how he or she got their idea and the whole process of writing. And I'm wondering, what inspired you to write this story? My wife and I adopted a dog after um, three years without one. Our, our previous dogs, we had to um, put to sleep on the same day. Oh. Um, oh, they were a couple. They were beautiful. They just lived and died together, unfortunately. Um, it was sad, but as the years progressed, you know, it was time to... Um, well, my wife thought it was time for us to get another one. I was dead set against ever having another dog. I was like, it just broke my heart too much. I couldn't do it again. Yeah. Um, you, feel like your, you feel like your heart just would never accept another little creature to fill that space. And it's surprising what happens to your heart when one of those new little guys comes in. It's like, it grows. <laughs> it was truly remarkable. And the dog we have now is the exact opposite of the two we had. We have a little dog before. I had a giant Malamute and a Husky and... They were they were truly uh, just big big dumb dogs. I love them to death. And now we have this little critter. It's amazing. It's he's just his heart his heart is as big as the great outdoors. <laughs> well, what kind of dog is it? He's a schnoodle. He um, my wife looked a for schnoodle. a dog uh, for my birthday actually two years ago. Um, she went on to Pet Finder looking for um, Ooh, small excellent. dogs that don't shed, mm-hmm. and um, thought in Rhode Island thinking that there was plenty of dogs around here. And what came up was. Um, you know, three or four that fit the criteria. Then we, she had to figure out which one she thought I would like the best. And uh, old Mr. Wilson, he won out, and he was in <laughs> Arkansas, actually. Oh, really? How'd you get him home? I had no idea what I was getting into. It was truly remarkable, and this is what inspired the book. We, um, My wife did it all. It was a surprise, but I kind of knew about it. And um, she set the whole thing up through Pet Finder and Friends of Homeless Animals in Rhode Island, they have a network of people. They had a volunteer down in Florida, actually, who facilitated the whole thing with another woman in Arkansas who was fostering old Mr. Wilson. Um, one thing led to another. Within four days, he was on a, on a uh, semi-truck uh, heading up north, up into Rhode Island. <laughs> we, we picked him up at a highway rest stop. Uh-huh. 
And I had no idea. I thought it was going to be this uh, clandestine meeting. Between, you know, it just seems really cool. I, I, I couldn't wait for it. But I never expected what actually happened. It was uh, an 18-wheeler came off the highway. Mm-hmm. There was about 40 people or so in this desolate lot that was desolate. It wasn't while we were there. We were just kind of um, kibitzing around, gabbing. Then the truck pulled up, and it was like, uh, you know, the, the, the Red Sea opened. In the tr- it was a red truck. It came in. They parked the truck, and one by one, they let all these adopted animals out, and animals that were being fostered, and it was just beautiful. It really oh, was. The wow. guys that brought them out one at a time, they were kind of like rough biker-looking guys, <laughs> but it was everybody <laughs> melted. It was it was just incredible. You know, I used to know a guy who, who rode a Harley, and he was all gruff, and, and he looked like he'd be the meanest guy in the world, but he did so many things for animals, and he had the softest, kindest heart. It was just, it did not fit his image at all, but I've kind of noticed that a lot of bikers are way into animal organizations. It's interesting. This was really neat. I, I don't, I'm pretty, he looks like a biker. He's actually, I ended up getting to know these people pretty well through um, writing the book, in another article that I wrote about him, he is a retired police officer, um, volunteer firefighter. He was in uh, Desert Storm, and he's just a super colorful guy and with a heart of gold. And he, he's he's remarkable. And the people I've met through adopting Mr. Wilson, I'm very I'm just humbled. I, I really am. It's been fantastic. That's very cool. And you were also a firefighter too. I was 23 years. 24 years, actually. So after retirement, you decided, you know what, I'm going to start writing books. <laughs> well, I actually wrote um, a few books while I was a firefighter. I um, I wrote one book called Rescuing Providence. That was, all my books covered like a very short time, um, a 48-hour period. And then my second one uh, was called Responding, um, EMS-related. And that was about another 36-hour period. And so much happens in a big city and a fire department. It's oh, just I remarkable. I could wrote a whole book about one shift, actually. So when you were a firefighter, did you ever rescue animals? I had one, um, I, a few different things, but one sticks out in my mind. It was a house fire. It was an abandoned house, and I was on an ambulance at the time. I was in charge of it's an ALS unit. And um, there was uh, one of the firefighters came out with a limp cat. Aww. And it was horrible, and they and he just came running over, and he handed it to me. I was standing by, and following him was three local news cameras. And so they latched right onto us, and, you know, they wanted the big story for the day. And um, I grabbed the cat, and I brought him into the truck, and we put him on uh, the oxygen mask, and I, I, like, I didn't really know what to do, but I didn't know what else to do. I kind of gave him a little body rub, and I did a little CPR thing. Uh-huh. Lo and behold, he came back to life. It was absolutely <laughs> stunning. Oh, that's and awesome. I opened up the rear door to the rescue. The news cameras focused right on the cat as he bit into my hand <laughs> so hard. Thank you to you. And I, was, I, I, I couldn't do it. I, with the cameras, I couldn't, you know, I just had to just smile and say, yes, we brought the cat back to life, and what a lively critter he is. <laughs> Disregard the blood spurting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful, but it was good. He ended up running away, and it was kind of a nice story. <laughs> oh, no. A couple of weeks of antibiotics, I was good as new. <laughs> and a tetanus shot. <laughs> and a tetanus shot, indeed. I did get one of those, too. Oh, wow. Well, I bet in your line of work, seeing all the things that you would see day in and day out, um, and for others in your profession, I suspect that PTSD uh, kind of goes with the trade. Um, is that something that, that you've dealt with, and have animals helped you with that? I have. I didn't realize just how miserable I had become as you 
as your career um, progresses, and it's just a, in my city, Providence, it was a very, very busy city. We never stopped to really reflect on what was going on with ourselves. I would show up for work and respond to emergencies nonstop. Then I would come home, sleep, and do it again. Only until I stopped, I got off the treadmill, did I realize that I really has had been uh, vacant from my home, from my own, you know, my own. I really had lost myself in the world of rescuing Providence, if you will. And, uh, geez, I, my own, my poor dogs, the ones I, my wife had to end up taking care of them. I worked a ton of overtime um, to make up for my wife's illness. She lost her, she, she has MS and she couldn't work anymore, so I took it up. And the PTSD, didn't know what was happening, but it was. It was, it was very insidious. It, it was creeping up on me, and I didn't know it until I actually had some time to reflect. Wow. And having dogs in your in your life, did that help? Oh, I love my dogs. I walk, uh, the dogs and I, the um, two big dogs, we walked miles and miles and miles whenever we could, and it was cathartic for me. Um, truly enjoyed those walks. A little bit of solitude, straightening out the thoughts, and the, and the dogs are great listeners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are. I talk to yeah. my dogs all the time. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they are wonderful. They just, they just agree. I oh. love that about them. They agree. Wow. And your wife with multiple sclerosis, how does she manage with the animals? Is that also a good thing for her, or does she have to kind of have them keep their distance for safety? The reason we got the small dog was just because of that. The big dogs were way too much for her, and I was away working, and my daughters grew up and moved out, and she was, I wouldn't say stuck with the dog. She loved them as much as I did, but Mm -hmm. it became a difficult situation at home. The dogs ended up kind of living outside most of the time, and um, they loved it. They were Alaskan things. They just absolutely loved the stuff. But it wasn't what we really had wanted, and it was kind of a tragic thing. And, again, we thought we would never do it again until she thought of a little dog, Mr. Wilson, and... He's um, he's been fantastic. They're they're little buddies. Uh, he doesn't get in the way. He's just been absolutely remarkable. This dog. That's very cool. So even though he's new and he's in your heart now, you're never going to forget the dogs that you've had in the past because they're always going to be there too. They have. I was very worried because I I didn't want to um, give up their memory. I honestly didn't. I love them so much. I didn't want somebody else taking over, you know. Yeah, I know but um, as, as soon as we got Mr. Wilson, within a few weeks, I, I I realized that he he wasn't taking over. He was opening my heart so that I could actually remember my previous dogs more fondly than I even had prior to getting him. So it was the exact opposite effect that I thought was going to happen. That's very cool. And I think that's what most people experience. And I think for somebody who is in that position where they've just lost a beloved pet, and they think they're never going to have room in their heart for another. What would you say to them? I think it's very important to give it a little bit of time. Absolutely. And once you give that time and you think it'll never happen again, but always be open to the possibility that the the love that these, these pets and these animals have to give is, is pretty much limitless. And if you just open yourself a little bit, that's all it takes is that little tiny crack of a door, and boy, they'll open it wide open, and there's a storm right in, and that's it. They take over, and it's like it's beautiful, and you remember your the previous pets fondly again, and it's just it kind of I hate the word closure, but it really is. It, it closes things up. The you can remember them with with great affection, and you have a new pet, and everything works out great. So I would say, by all means, adopt a dog, a cat, something, and and I think people would be very happy if they did. I couldn't agree more. And I found it really interesting that your previous book title was Rescuing Providence because rescue is so often used in in humane work, 
people go and they rescue pets from a shelter. So I was thinking that maybe you can have Rescuing Providence Animal Edition. <laughs> I love that idea. We, in Providence, we call ambulances rescues for some strange reason. It's like a Northeast thing, I think. Oh, okay. And it's, I was, my truck was called Rescue One. Then I ended up on Rescue Five. That was the name of my, uh, my, my truck that I was in charge of. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed made sense, Rescuing Providence. But, boy, when I wrote Mr. Wilson Makes It Home, that was very, very much on my mind, how you know I've gone from rescuing people, which is all well and good, and I, I had a great career, and after Mr. Wilson, I might just go you know, rescuing animals. So who, who the heck knows where this is going to lead? Well, where can our listeners find your book? Right now, the book is available on, at barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. Um, a ton of indie booksellers. There's, uh, on, if you Google the title, it comes up in a lot of different places. Um, hopefully a lot of stores. I know Barnes & Nobles will have it in Walden Books, and, and there's a, uh, a lot of local bookstores will be carrying it. I think it's being distributed pretty pretty vastly, if that's a word. But I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's vastly going to be out there. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for stopping by the Pet Place today. And we need to take a very quick break now. But when we return, Carolyn Marino Mullen, the founder and executive director of the National Museum of Animals and Society, will be stopping by. So stay right where you are on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. <laughs> We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and with me now is Carolyn Marina Mullen, the founder and executive director of the National Museum of Animals and Society. Welcome to the Pet Place, Carolyn. Thanks for having me, Marie. I have never heard of this museum before. Are you brand new? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, you're like a lot of people. We started back in 2010. We opened wow. our first gallery space in Hollywood in 2013, and we're gearing up right now to move closer to Museum Row on Wilshire. So we're relatively new. Yeah. Well, how did the museum get started? And uh, and I suppose this is your brainchild? It is. Um, you know, I have a long history of working in museums and in animal protection. And it dawned on me one day, um, I was working for one organization at the time, doing some spring cleaning, and I came across this newsletter from the 1980s. And there's the founder of that organization with this incredible mullet you know, on the cover, and I was like, oh, this is just so great. And, you know, it made me wonder, should I keep it or should I toss this newsletter? And I started to inquire, you know, who, you know, what's not being saved from our love of animals and just this movement to protect animals. And as I looked around in the museum field, I noticed that there wasn't anything. So whereas the other social movements have museums to protect their legacy, there wasn't anything in place for us animal lovers. Oh, wow. So how did you start getting a collection that could be on display that would be something that would attract visitors? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of slowly but surely, and uh, we're doing a lot of collection acquisition exhibit by exhibit. So, for instance, we are going to open up our new space with an exhibit on crazy cat ladies, which we're all very excited about. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I know. And there is just such a wide breadth of material there. And we're looking, and we're working not just with animal, um, 
organizations, cat rescues, feral cat organizations, and artifacts documenting that history of, you know, TNR efforts and things to that nature, but also crazy cat ladies in popular culture. So, um, you know, you look back into the 1800s, and there's the old maid and the old spinster, you know, alone by the fireplace with her cats. And so we have that imagery, you know, in these antique postcards and, and print materials. So, you know, it's been really fun starting this museum and developing our collection. We have about 10,000 pieces of material now between the collection, the archive, um, and the library. Oh, that's very cool. Hey, I don't know if you saw this photo that was going around Facebook a while ago. It was the crazy cat lady Barbie doll type toy, and it came with uh, various assorted cats, and the figurine was wearing a bathrobe, and (laughs) it was pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, it's a great piece. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so that sounds like it's a fun exhibit, and then you've got so many other things. Are these also available online so that people can take a look and see what's available? Yeah, some of our exhibits have been transferred online. Um, So you can see we did a whole exhibit about chickens, which was called Uncooped. Um, And that was pretty fun and very different. You know, most people don't think about chickens, but they have such an integral part in our society and have played this integral role for, you know, centuries and centuries. So there's even, you know, biblical references about chickens in that exhibit. And I mean, just a a very multifaceted look at the lives of chickens and and how they're intertwined with the lives of humans. Uh, We also did an exhibit called My Dog is My Home, which looked at the homeless who have animal companions. And that's also online. So all of these can be accessed through our website, museumofanimals.org. So is this a lot of photography then? Um, There's been some photography, yes. Uh, My Dog in My Home was really great. I mean, we followed the lives of four homeless families here in L.A. Mm -hmm. Some of them were in Skid Row. Some of them were um, in Santa Monica and in different stages of homelessness. Some were chronically homeless. Others were in temporary housing. Um, And, you know, we went out with our cameraman. So it's largely a video narrative exhibit. Um, But since that exhibit has ended... um, you know, three of those families are now off the streets, and they really attribute that to having animal companions. Like, they had a reason to live, a reason to be responsible. Um, So it's just amazing to see that kind of transformative experience and and the human-animal bond in a whole new light. That is very cool. What is your website, by the way? It's museumofanimals.org. Oh, that's easy. I'm going to check that yeah, out for there sure. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike our name, which is kind of hard to remember, I know. I know you have some uh, celebrities that support you and, and do some guest speaking. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, what I love about our museum and about animals in general is they're so different. There's so many species and so many varieties and so many issues affecting animals. So we have been very lucky to work with a number of celebrities. Um, Moby, the DJ, he's a big big supporter of ours, has come to a number of our openings. Um, we also have, you know, folks like Joanna Krupa, who is one of the real housewives of Miami, <laughs> so she's on a reality TV show, but she's okay. a huge rescuer, too. I mean, great uh-huh. heart, great uh-huh. person. Um, and then Jackson Galaxy, you know, Mr. Cat Daddy oh, himself. Yeah, the cat guy. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and Tippi Hedren, has she been by? I know she's local. She has. Yeah, we did an event with the International Fund for Animal Welfare, IFA, and she came and spoke about big cat protection, um, which is incredibly important. So, um, yeah, it's been an honor to have her. We've had folks from, oh, um, oh who was it, Bones, one of the detectives on Bones came to the museum for an nice. event. So. And I heard yeah. uh, someone from Black Sabbath, the the band, was a big enthusiast, too. <laughs> 
He is. Geezer Butler, um, you know, committed vegan, very much an animal lover. Um, and yeah, he's a big, big supporter of ours. So I think we're going to get quite a few celebrities to our gala that's going to be taking place in May um, in West L.A. So oh, sure tell me about the gala. What, what do you have planned? What's in store? Yeah, well, it's all in the works, but we do have our location. It's going to be at the Olympic Collection on May 16th, um, and we're going to be honoring, I don't know if you know her, songwriter Diane Warren. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so, and I didn't, truth be told, she's on our honorary board, um, but I didn't know the expansive number of hit songs she's written, but she writes songs for Celine Dion and Beyonce, and, I mean, you you name the band, she's probably written something for them. That's uh, but very cool. another just genuine animal lover. So we're so honored that, you know, she is very generous and philanthropic um, when it comes to animal issues. What time is the event scheduled for, and how can people get tickets if they want to attend or support the organization? Yeah, so right now we're doing just to save the date, but tickets should be um, available for sale within the next few weeks. And if people just stay tuned to museumofanimals.org or follow us on Facebook, and on Facebook our little acronym is the NMAS, which is our acronym, um, and yeah, you can get your tickets that way. Okay, oh. so the MAS on Facebook. NMAS, National Museum. Oh, NMAS. Okay, NMAS. Got to say it slowly to get all those letters. It's 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 sometimes when you're on the radio as opposed to being able to show it everybody on the the big screen. It, sometimes people will write in and they'll say, "What was that website? I tried it and it's not mm-hmm. working." So mm-hmm. I always try and make sure that our listeners can can hear it, and that's why I double and triple say it. And I welcome you to double and triple say all of your websites too, just so that we get it out there. Sure. Do you want me to say? those sites again right now <laughs> we'll have you do it again at the very end i know okay, that you've sure. got some uh you've got big plans to move your museum closer to la brea tar pits and the los angeles museum of art and and all the other wonderful museums down there uh in the civic center area how long do you think that project is going to take we are hoping to open early fall of this year wow. we're kind of in the last stages of fundraising. Uh, We have an Indiegogo campaign right now, and I think we have a little less than a month to raise about 20 grand. Um, Our big goal for the Indiegogo campaign is $100,000, and 50,000 of those dollars have been committed by one of our board members. So it's under the condition that we raise the other 50. So we're just $20,000 shy of our $100,000 goal. So with that and our gala, I think we'll be set to to open our our new building in, in the fall. Can you explain about Indiegogo for our listeners who might not be familiar with that term? Sure. Indiegogo is one of the many websites that you can do crowdfunding through. And so crowdfunding is basically building on the principle that we can fund something because there's so many of us. So instead of trying to just rely on one person or a few people to raise $100,000, we can use the thousands of supporters in our network and their friends and their friends. So that's what that is. It's called crowdfunding. So Indiegogo, you can access that website just at Indiegogo.com. Um, and you can scour all sorts of different projects. And if you look under the Animals tab, you'll find us. And we've already raised about $30,000 so far, plus the $50,000 matching gift. Awesome. Hey, tell me about Bunny Mania. 
Oh, I am so excited about this. Bunny Mania is going to be an art fundraiser exhibition that we're doing in Chinatown, which is in downtown Los Angeles. Um, and it's curated by LA's most celebrated art critic, Peter Frank. And we have artists from all over the world contributing art. Um, and it's really just all things bunny, from the cute, you know, to the grotesque, to lowbrow, to highbrow. I mean, there's just so many different artists involved. And, you know, bunnies, I think, just elicit just uh, such a unique reaction from us. So we're really excited about that. Oh, that's very cool. And, and when did you say that would be again? That is going to be the weekend of March 27th through the 29th. And we'll have um, guest speakers and bunny adoptions. We're working with uh, Bunny World Foundation, and they're here in L.A., one of the premier kind of bunny organizations in the city. So they'll be coming with some adoptable rabbits the event. Excellent. And this is the point where I say, and what's your website? One more time. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Folks can visit us online at museumofanimals.org. And we're also active on social media. And you can find us um, on Twitter and Instagram at Animal Museum. That's kind of our handle or hashtag. Perfect. Carolyn, thanks so much for telling us all about your remarkable museum. And I'm definitely going to be checking it out. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We need to take one last break, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Tomorrow, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Tivoli 2 in Laguna Beach, bring your appetites to the Cat's Meow Valentine Brunch Fundraiser to benefit the Bluebell Foundation. If you're not familiar with Bluebell, this is an organization that takes in cats whose owners have passed on and gives them a loving home for the rest of their lives. It's a worthy cause for sure. For more information, visit dovecanyon.org slash bluebell. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. You can also find us on Facebook. We're listed under Pet Place Radio. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.